Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold, Post Calver Gold, your trusted feeding partner for your dairy herd this spring on C103. Hello and welcome to Farm Talk. I'm Maureen Tuig. On the programme, changes under new EU TB regulations will better enable farmers with restricted herds to move cattle in and restock during a breakdown. We hear about Acorns, the programme supporting early stage female entrepreneurs living in rural Ireland. A further €10.5 million euro investment in our rural roads and laneways. The latest Mokra activities and John O'Connor has the stories making the agri news this week. Farm Talk on C103. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell Oak, has announced changes under new EU TB regulations, which will better enable farmers with restricted herds to move cattle in and restock during a breakdown. Piers McCarthy has the details for Farm Talk. Farmers experiencing a TB breakdown will be able to avail of this beneficial change from Monday, August the 2nd. This is the result of new provisions under the EU Animal Health Law, which removed the previous requirement for a TB-restricted herd to have completed one clear herd TB test before cattle could be moved into it. That provision had caused considerable difficulties in relation to farm management and business continuity during TB restrictions, particularly for farmers whose enterprise involved purchasing store cattle. Under the new rules, where a farmer draws up a risk mitigation plan for the restricted herd, which is approved by the Regional Veterinary Office, farmers can be given permission to introduce stock. The plan should be practical, pragmatic, and will help the farmer to reduce the risk of a recurring or prolonged TB breakdown in the herd. Once the plan is approved and in place, cattle may be moved under permit into the restricted herd. This change will benefit those farmers with non-restricted herds hoping to sell their stock onto a purchaser whose herd becomes TB restricted. Farmers seeking to take advantage of this new policy are advised to contact their Orvio. Career change 
is a strong trend in new female-led businesses being established in rural Ireland, according to evidence from the government-backed ACORNS programme. ACORNS stands for Accelerating the Creation of Rural Nascent Startups. In the seventh round of the ACORNS programme to encourage setting up of female-led businesses in rural areas, 50 new female entrepreneurs are to be chosen. The deadline for applications is midnight on September 10th, 2021. Among the 50 new businesses which took part in the last round of Acorns during the COVID-19 pandemic, many changed their career direction completely to establish their new business. It was found that a desire to make a lifestyle change was a common thread amongst the female participants. There is no charge whatsoever for those participating in Acorns, thanks to the continuing support of the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, and the voluntary contribution of time by the experienced lead entrepreneurs. Further information from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine at the following website, www.gov.ie, and follow on through to ACORNS. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Paula Fitzsimons, Director of Acorns, joins us on the programme. Paula, you're very welcome to Farm Talk. Thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us today. Um, I suppose, Acorns, can you tell me a bit about the programme? I certainly will. I mean, the interesting thing, I suppose, is the word. So Acorns is for accelerating the creation of rural nascent startups. And it's all in the word nascent, meaning early stage. And I suppose when I designed and developed the initiative, I was thinking of, you know, the acorn into the oak tree. And the idea is that it's for early stage female entrepreneurs in rural Ireland. The idea is that if you're in a rural area of County Cork and you have an idea for a business or have recently started a business, let's say you have less than two years sales, and you feel that you could do with peer support. That means meeting other people, like meeting a tribe of people like yourself who are starting and beginning to develop and grow their businesses. Then Acorns is for you. And I suppose, Paula, at the moment, I mean, with, with COVID and it's, you know, it's been a very dreadful time for a lot of businesses. But this is a really positive aspect for people who have that dream that they'd love to go out on their own. And I suppose maybe as well, you know, the way the working went, you know, a lot of people working from home, it gave them time to think as well about, you know, their, where their future goals are at. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think there's a couple of points there that you raised, Mairead. Uh, it gave people time to think. And to get, you know, the work-life balance right, if you like, to think about how it affected their life. The opportunities also that are presented. And one of the trends that we've noticed in recent years is that many women are actually changing their careers. I mean, you have quite an interesting example there in Cork with Nora Deneen. Now, Nora is Borua Farm. And Nora was originally uh, an engineer working with the multinational. So not only did she have the commute from her East Cork farm to Limerick every day, but frequently she was asked to travel. So her commute in many respects was global. And as her children came along and she began to assess whether these demands from her work were really what she wanted in her life, she decided to retrain. And she retrained as an artisan food producer. And now... She adds value on the family farm by taking the milk, which is produced by the Borua cows, 
and turning them into what is now award-winning cheese. Now, interestingly, Norma became a participant on Acorns and over time got involved in all the different community activities we have as well. That's fantastic. And I think that's really important for people listening to to hear a real case study and to see how beneficial it is. And as you say, when you think of the commute and all the rest of it, how life-changing this can be, especially when, when you have kids. So I suppose for people who are interested, Paula, how do they go about getting involved? The first thing to do is look on the website. So acorns.ie. They can read further about it, download the brochure and register their interest and we'll send them straight out an application form and I'd say do it now and if your listeners are thinking oh maybe I will someday do it now and it may be that they know others that it's suitable for and they should tell them about it because they'll be forever grateful so the first thing is get registered get the application form and get it into us Then we have a selection process because we will have more applications than we have places available. And that will go on in the middle of September because our closing date for applications is the 10th of September. But I just say to people, don't leave it to the last minute because we all have long fingers and sometimes you never get to the task at the end. Do it today. Um, When and if you're selected, You'll be invited to join us, hopefully in person, all going well uh, in terms of the restrictions, um, in the middle of October, uh, when you'll meet your team for the first time. That's the group that will meet you around the table, early stage female entrepreneurs like you are, and you'll meet with what we call a lead entrepreneur. Now, I was speaking to you of Norma Deneen earlier. I told you that she had been a participant. Well, last year... Norma stepped up to the plate and she became a voluntary lead entrepreneur. So our voluntary lead entrepreneurs who take uh, a group of eight early stage entrepreneurs around them are all successful businesswomen who started and grown businesses in rural Ireland. So they understand the challenges that those in rural Ireland face. That, that's amazing and that's very reassuring for anyone thinking of applying. I suppose, Paula, we should mention too, I mean, there's been a lot of jobs created out of Acorns and via people, you know, creating their business and then employing people in the future. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And it goes on and on. So, I mean, out of last year's group, for example, so we had about 53 who completed Acorns. And that group, when we look at them as a group, they had started with some sales. So they would 1.8 million in sales between the, the lot of them. They doubled that over the course of six months. So they went to 3.6 million in sales. And in total, they employed over 100 people, which was an increase of almost 30. So it's aimed at people who have started businesses in the last two years, you know, got sales in the last two years, or about to start a business. And if they're determined enough, you know, we will help them meet their expectations and ideally exceed them. Paula Fitzsimons there, Director of Acorns. Later on in the programme, we will hear from Nora Irwin from Yall in Cork. Nora, who launched a fragrance line a number of years ago, took part in Acorns. And we'll hear more about Nora's experience later.
ICSA Suckler Chairman Mr Ger O'Brien said it's time to pull the bull and scan cows after 30 days. He said empty cows are currently making great money in the marts, so that option could be the smartest move at this point. On the Beep S scheme, Mr O'Brien reminded farmers to weigh calves at the right time. He said ideally the time to be weighing cows and calves is when the calf is aged between 150 days and 250 days. That is, between five to eight months. He reminds farmers the scheme applies only to calves born between 1st of July 2020 and 30th of June 2021, and calves at the time of weighing must be unweaned. Birth weights will not be accepted, nor will cow and calf pairings that are not weighed on the same day. Calves must be weighed before creep is introduced, and since grass is scarce due to drought-like conditions in many areas, the best job is to weigh calves immediately if you haven't done so already. Mr O'Brien points out scales must be registered with ICBF. The scales number that was issued last year to you will not suffice. All farmers participating in the scheme must receive a new scales number from ICBF to remain within the parameters of this scheme. To keep on top of the scheme, Mr O'Brien recommends that farmers should use the opportunity to take a dung sample when they have stock in for weighing. Last year, he recalls, we saw significant problems with farmers unable to acquire the necessary kits to complete the faecal egg testing requirement under the scheme. Likewise, Mr O'Brien recalled that labs had difficulties processing the sheer volume of samples that came in at the last minute. The advice is to Order your kits early and get the samples done early and off to the lab well in advance of the 1st of October deadline. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Welcome back. Farming sustainability in conjunction with reducing the carbon footprint of your farming enterprise is now the objective of every responsible farmer. Farm Talk's John O'Connor joins us now. Hi John, do we have a breakdown of the relative greenhouse gases emissions from the various sectors of the modern world? Hi Maureen. Well, Miss Martina Harrington, beef specialist, Chagas Animal and Grassland and Innovation Programme, has produced a chart where the relative contributions of the respective sectors in our modern world are compared. And does the illustrated analysis show the contribution of agriculture to the 59.78 million tonnes of CO2 generated annually? Agriculture generates 35.4% of the total. How does this compare with other activities in the modern world? Transport at 20.4%, energy industries 15.5%, residential 10.9%, manufacturing combustion 7.7%, commercial services 1.5%, industrial processes 3.8%, 1.5% for public services and 1.5% other gases. And John, you referred to the 10 steps which could help reduce your carbon footprint. In summary, step one, reduce the age of slaughter. If we reduce the age of slaughter by even one month, we could reduce the greenhouse gas produced by 250 kT. This is equivalent to not having to cull almost 100,000 cows. Step two, improve breeding performance. You must cull unproductive cows and cow your heifers at two years of age as part of reaching this target. Step three, improve animal health. Talk to your vet and put in place a dosing programme. Step four, 
Proper winter housing and nutrition. Step 5. A longer grazing season. The longer cattle are grazing, the less fibrous forage they are eating, the less slurry they are producing, the less methane they are generating. Step 6. Incorporate clover. Nitrous oxide N2O is produced when chemical nitrogen is broken down in the soil by bacteria. If this source of nitrogen is replaced by biological nitrogen produced by white clover, we can significantly reduce N2O emissions. Research in Chagas, Solahed, showed a reduction of between 11% and 28% in the carbon footprint of dairy systems. Step 7. Improve soil fertility. Step 8. Apply fertiliser in the right conditions. Step 9. Change from can to protected urea. Step 10. Carbon sequestration. Globally, soils and forests store vast amounts of carbon with agricultural ecosystems such as grasslands, peatlands and woodlands acting as important carbon sinks. If we can increase the amount of carbon we are sequestrating, we can reduce our carbon footprint. The 10 steps you outlined there were in very general terms. Is there a more detailed roadmap of how the 10 steps to reduce your carbon footprint are actually achieved? Certainly. Ms Martina Harrington, Beef Specialist, Chagas Animal and Grassland Research and Innovation Programme, writes extensively in the July-August issue of the Chagas Clients magazine, Today's Farm, on the twin topics of what is my carbon footprint? And 10 steps, reduce your carbon footprint. And Miss Martina Harrington's article is well worth studying. That's in the July-August issue of the client's Chagas magazine, Today's Farm. Improving soil fertility was the most significant cost-saving measure identified in the Smart Farming Programme last year. That's according to Paul O'Brien, IFA Environment Chair and Smart Farming Leader. He said that farmers taking the Smart Farming Challenge identified potential savings of €1,624 by implementing measures to improve soil fertility. He added that better soil fertility can support increased production, improve farming comes and enhance environmental performance on farms. About 90% of the soil sampled in Ireland lack phosphorus, potassium or lime limiting their production potential. Smart Farming has updated its soil fertility guidance to give farmers the most up-to-date information and advice on soil management measures including testing soils regularly to establish what nutrients are present and how much extra nutrients may be needed, correcting soil pH through liming to increase the availability and efficiency of applied nutrients, creating a nutrient management plan for their farm, using low-emission slurry spreading to reduce ammonia losses, using protected urea to reduce ammonia and nitrous oxide losses. Smart Farming links practical actions farmers can take to save costs and improve the environment to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. This includes life on land, which aims to protect, restore and promote the sustainable management of land. Improving soil fertility also benefits water quality, air quality, biodiversity and greenhouse gas emission reductions. Farmers can get a free soil test, resource efficiency assessment and cost saving study for their farm by taking the Smart Farming Challenge. You can register at smartfarming.ie or by emailing smartfarming at ifa.ie. The updated Smart Farming Soil Fertility Guidance Note is available at smartfarming.ie forward slash soil fertility. 
Hill farmers are concerned about insurance indemnification for recreational users of farmland. IFA National Hill Committee Chairman, Mr Flora McCarthy, has expressed concerns about the recreational users not abiding allegedly by the countryside code during the recent spell of good weather. He said we'd seen a huge increase in recreational users in recent weeks as people holiday at home are now taking advantage of the good weather. Mr McCarthy said the IFA is and has always been in favour of recreational walking, but the farmer could not carry a financial risk from this activity. He said the insurance indemnification issue is ongoing for farmers. Details of a pilot insurance scheme had been discussed. Nothing is actually in place to provide farmers with indemnification. The IFA National Hill Committee Chairman, Mr Flower McCarthy, said the Minister for Rural and Community Development, Ms Heather Humphreys, must ensure the proposed pilot insurance scheme would be implemented without delay. The IFA had always supported the process, but now felt progress is far too slow at this stage. Mr McCarthy said while it's encouraging that people would be getting out on the hills and exercising on the various dedicated trails, the IFA was reminding hill walkers they must respect farmers' property and abide by the Corridor of the Tuhe Countryside Code. This includes a stipulation that dogs cannot be taken onto trails whether they are on a lead or not. Mr McCarthy said while most people observe the countrywide code, some blatantly disregard it, he claimed. It's also come to the IFA's attention that dogs were wandering off Quilcher and National Park's trails onto private farmers' land. The IFA Hill chairman said that people are welcome to use the dedicated and agreed walks throughout the nation. However, they must observe the countryside rules, including the exclusion of dogs. Farmer McCarthy said the commitment in the programme for government to expand the walks scheme to 80 trails was welcome, but he contended no progress had been made to date. The ministry said must ensure that this expansion of the walks scheme would progress at once. Part of a statement there from the IFA National Hill Committee Chairman, Mr Flora McCarthy, expressing concerns about recreational users allegedly not abiding by the Coronatuha Countryside Code during the recent spell of good weather. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. John Casey, Forestry Development Officer with Chagask, joins us on the programme. We covered a number of topics over the course of our chat, starting with timber prices, which are currently very high. I asked John if the price... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. So they're likely to stay that way? Certainly, I think the medium to long term, yes. Uh, they're possibly not going to stay quite as high as they are, which uh, I suppose it's down to demand, really. Uh, with felling licenses and everything else, the prices are quite high and also... There's a high demand both nationally and internationally with the housing market and also in the Chinese and U.S. markets. Now, they might come back slightly, but I I guess at the moment, the current timber prices are probably 30% up on they were two years ago. So, you know, they'd like to come back a little, but they'll still remain very substantial. It is a very good time. If you do have a felling license, it is a great time to be actually cutting timber. And uh, speaking of felling licenses, there is a delay issue with them. What is the current state of play there? It has increased quite a bit in that uh, the Forest Service or the Department of Agriculture, uh, Food and Marine have put in a new system which is improving it. Now, they've got to the stage where last June, June just passed, they've hit their monthly target for uh, ecology input. And this is one of the delays in that if you need uh, a Natura impact statement, for example, that you need an ecology report to accompany your felling license. So they are getting through them. It is slow. They're picking up speed. But there is quite a backlog there still. And this applies to both felling licenses, road applications and uh, planting applications as well. Another topic, John, that we're looking at today is the ash dieback disease. Is there any updates there? Yes, um, none of them are particularly good updates, I'm afraid, Murray. I suppose what you're looking at, ash, came in, ash dieback disease came back in, in 2012 from imported trees, mostly uh, forestry plantation trees, okay? And the Department of Agriculture have been mapping them since. So by the end of 2020, they were in all 26 counties, or in all 32 counties, I guess, uh, and recorded in more than 660 locations. So that's forests, nurseries, garden centres, farm planting, roadside planting, hedgerows, even private gardens. I suppose the issue is that the trees that do get ash dieback disease, there's probably a 90% mortality rate. So it's very high. So it is going to have a significant effect on our hedgerows, on our plantations and elsewhere. Now, what's happening is that Chagas have a research programme where it identifying resistant trees and we're growing them on and testing them it'll take a while to do that but that won't address the trees that are already out in the landscape already and quite a share of them are going to are going to die in the next five ten years and longer uh, i suppose for some of your listeners it might be similar to what you had with 
the um, Dutch Elm disease in the 1970s. And you can stay tuned to hear part two of my chat with John Casey back after this. Welcome back. John Casey, Forestry Development Officer with Chagask and I continued our chat with a look at concerns over wildfires and the associated risks. I suppose fortunately it's probably died out in the last couple of days in terms of the just because of the rain and that kind of thing. But it was very significant for the last two weeks. One of our concerns, of course, is it's not just a risk to property and kind of the rural environment. It also risks lives. And the other part, of course, is that if you have the fire services out putting out fires on mountains, they're not available for other emergencies. So what Chagas is asking is landowners, rural dwellers, and those that are just using the countryside, that they just need to be vigilant at this time of the year. Most farmers will be aware that it's illegal to burn growing vegetation on uncultivated land between the 1st of March and the 31st of August. So these you know, controlled burnings shouldn't be happening at this stage of the year anyway. Other than that then, we'd be saying to landowners and particular forest owners just to have measures in place that can either prevent the loss or limit the loss. And that would be, you know, assess what the risk is. Do you need insurance? Do you have a fire plan in place? Do you have access into your forest? Are they marked? Could you give a map to somebody so this is how you get in there? Do you have fire breaks around your forest that if there was a fire approaching it, say across open mountain, is there a break of 10 or 12 metres wide that would actually stop the fire making that jump. Other than that then, I suppose, you know, do you have fire beaters? Do you have water sources? What we have been doing in the last number of years is we have the Cork Wildfire Cooperative Group, and that is ourselves, the Department of Agriculture, the forest owners, the farmers, National Parks and Wildlife, and we're looking at kind of a cooperative approach. They've done a great job down in West Cork where they have one or two cooperative groups where a number of farmers go out and burn as a group, and it's far more controllable then. And of course, like I said, it has to be within the permitted burning season. And John, if people wanted more information about those groups or, you know, all those that advice that you just gave there, is there a website or a resource that people can go to? Yes, yeah, certainly. They could uh, go to the Chagas website. That's www.chagas.ie forward slash forestry. And there's details of fire and fire issues and contact details there. Or they can contact myself. I'm in the Mallow office, so you can contact me in the Mallow office in Chagas at 022-21936. It's been claimed that the National Farm Income Survey shows the underlying vulnerability of farm incomes. Mr Tim Cullinan, IFA President, said that the reported overall increase in farm incomes was positive, but it did not take into account the ongoing vulnerability of the majority of Irish farms. According to the preliminary results of the Chagas National Farm Survey 2020, the national average farm income had increased from 23,600 in 2019 to 25,663 in 2020, representing an increase of 9% in farm incomes. The IFA leader said, thankfully, COVID-19 had a limited impact on agriculture. However, he said, we still have a situation where the average income for many sectors remained at critically low levels. On an agricultural sectoral basis, average farm incomes remained static or decreased for many sectors in 2020, he claimed. Tillage incomes fell by 1%, while cattle rearing remained unchanged. Sheep income grew by 24%, cattle other grew by 8%, and dairy experienced growth of 13%. 
It's important, he said, to remember that the average income of suckler farmers, for instance, remained at just over €9,000, while average annual earnings per employee across the entire Irish national economy was closer to €40,000. That's referred to CSO Central Statistics Office figures. Only 34% of the sample farms in the Chagas National Survey remained economically viable. 33 were sustainable, and the final 33% were financially vulnerable. 52% of farms are relying on off-farm employment as an income stream. The reality is, Mr Conan said, without this income, there would be no farming taking place on most of these farms. The IFA National President concluded his review of the Chagas National Farm Survey figures by saying direct payments account for 157%, 115%, 103% and 79% of average farm incomes in the cattle rearing, cattle other, sheep and tillage systems respectively. This, he said, emphasised the importance of ongoing capital discussions for all of the agri-sectors. Statement there from the IFA National President, Mr Tim Cullinan, reviewing the recently published preliminary results of the Chagas National Farm Survey 2020. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Now, we heard all about acorns earlier in the programme. Now, Nora Irwin from Yall joins us. Nora, who launched a fragrance line a number of years ago, took part in acorns. And Nora has been telling me about Arona. Arona is an Irish premium solid perfume made using organic beeswax and pure natural essential oils. And it's all, it's made here in Ireland. And uh, when was Arona founded, Nora? The company was set up in 2018 and the official launch was 2020, just before the pandemic. And uh, you were involved in Acorns, Nora, weren't you? That's correct, yes. I was in Acorns, thoroughly enjoyed it. And what would you say were the main benefits, we'll say, out of being part of that programme? Well, the big part of the fact was that there was 50 women and we were all at the same, more or less at the same stage of our journey. There was great empowerment. The, the other women seemed to empower us. And there was also great camaraderie. And we were great to share ideas. And if you ever had a problem, you could just ex- explain it. And the girls, someone would come up with an answer. That's fantastic. And Nora, before you, you know, you set up Arona and got involved in Acorns, what were you doing before that? I, were, I was self-employed in a retail outlet. We were in mobile communications. And was it an easy decision to say, OK, we'll park that one now and we'll move into this? I grew up surrounded by amazing fragrances. A relative of mine worked for as a farm later for one of the biggest fragrance houses in New York and gifted me a lot of fragrances when I was very young. And I just always knew I was going to go this route. And were you nervous about setting up your own business? Not in the least. No, I already spent 20 plus years in self-employment, so not in the least. That's brilliant. And what would you say, Nora, to someone who's considering taking part in Acorns? If you want camaraderie, if you want advice or anything like that, it's great. And other women, women are just great to support each other. I, my lead was Caroline McInerney. She's from the HR suite. We used to travel and that was, our meetings were blown really. And I traveled the night before, but was catching up with the girls the night before was absolutely super. And Caroline would present her presentation the following day. And it was just, it was just very supportive. And I suppose over the past few months, Nora, I mean, we've all felt that the, the effect of the pandemic, how has that been on your business? Well, I was looking in a sense in that I launched exclusively online at a time when the pandemic was hitting. So I was really lucky from that point of view and it wouldn't really have affected my business from that um, 
standpoint. And as you say, you're online. So where can people go to, to have a look at your products? My product is available on aronanaturalfragrance.ie or you can also follow me on Instagram, Arona Salad Perfume. Brilliant. And what's next for Arona? We're already planning and thinking ahead for Christmas and the gifting season. So that's, that's what's in foremost in our minds at the moment. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President West Cork-based Mr Dermot Kelleher has drawn attention to the plight of farmers and rural dwellers who find that online banking does not cater for their business requirements. The ICSA president said it's all very well saying the typical customer is able to manage their banking needs online, but he poses a question. What about rural people or self-employed outside of the big towns and cities who want to safely lodge cash in cheques when banks have closed their bricks-and-mortar premises in favour of the online services which customers have been turning to increasingly? And in turn, online banking depends on good broadband connections and fibre-optic rollout, but, he alleges, in some areas the rural service is patchy. Mr Kelleher pointed out that while the latest round of bank closures announced by one of the pillar banks is predominantly urban-based, it does not hide the fact that banks are becoming ever more detached from the needs of their customers in rural Ireland. Banks, for their part, would say the movement to online banking services has made it hard to justify the retention of the traditional physical banking network. The Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President, Mr Dermot Kelleher, says he feels compelled to warn that the current business banking trends are undermining the economies of smaller towns and rural areas. Towns where banks still operate a physical structure are appreciated by business people, particularly farmers who need to safely lodge cash and cheques in the town where they operate, especially in conjunction with livestock sales, mart sales and cash transactions. Mr Keller points out that the Irish state has a 71% stake in AIB, 13.9% in Bank of Ireland, and our government cannot continue to turn what he calls a blind eye to what's happening to banking outside the bigger towns and cities, where he contends the autonomy of local bank officials and their priceless local knowledge has been decimated. The government must show its commitment to rural Ireland now, the ICSA president urges. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Minister for Rural and Community Development Heather Humphreys has announced the county breakdown of a further €10.5 million Euro investment in our rural roads and laneways. The allocation represents a doubling of the budget under the local improvement scheme, bringing the overall annual spend to a record €21 million. Euro. The local improvement scheme is designed to support the continued improvement of non-public roads in rural communities and improves access to rural homes and farms as well as outdoor amenities such as our lakes, rivers, mountains and beaches. The share of the additional funding that is being allocated to each county under this second round comes following engagement between the Department of Rural and Community Development and local authorities. The county allocations are based on the level of works that each local authority indicated they could complete before the end of the year. The LIS scheme was reintroduced in 2017 and over 10,000 landowners and rural residents have benefited to date. Under LIS, local authorities are responsible for identifying and 
prioritising roads for improvement works. Under the scheme, in consultation with residents or landowners, the works must be completed before the end of the year. Cork is to get an additional €492,738, having already been allocated €920,000 in round one. Ashling Walt from Shandoon Mokra joins us on the programme. Good morning, Ashling. Good morning, Maurice. My name is Ashling Walt. Last week, the 11 Peaks reached its conclusion. This saw four of our members join Aline and Sean for, for the hike to Caron Tool. They started bright and early at 8am and they reached the peak later on in the day. They brought plenty of food with them, met loads of new faces as well, which was great for them. Well done to everyone who took part in the challenge. It was a great achievement along the way. You can still donate to the Air Ambulance and Lane Houlihan Monster VPs page. Make sure to donate if you can. This week saw another one of our clubs hold their AGM as Glammeyer Mocker held their AGM this Thursday. Thanks a million to Elaine Hunahan, Munster VP, who also presided on the night as we elected the new officers. Incoming officers include Mike Buckley as chairperson, Kevin Smitty as the president, Ashley Welch as PRO, April Lynch as secretary, Patrick Healy as treasurer, and Patrick Buckley as the YFDG officer. Don't forget that we have seven clubs which you can join if you're interested. Our clubs include Bannon Colleague, Glanmire, Kinsale, UCC, Whitechurch, Carrigaline, and Nakraha. We are an extremely active region. We take part in nearly everything. Upcoming events include officer training at Ballyhas Lakes on the 28th of August for our regional officers. It's sure to be a great day as we meet many members from all over the country. And we managed to get back to some sort of normality. This week also saw National President John Keane join the Ultra Cyclists, which is an annual event for charity. The cycle started on the 18th of July in Kinsale County Cork and went the whole way to Derry City in Northern Ireland. Mocker has decided to donate one third of the funds raised from the cycle to the Mocker and Affirma initiative Make the Move. This is a peer-to-peer programme that aims to deliver supports to rural communities to alleviate the stresses specific to farming and rural life. They have also chosen to support Mindspace Mayo and Turn to Me. Our Mocker National President, John Keane, and some Mocker members joined them on the third day of the cycle. It was a great achievement. You can still donate to the cause on the National Mocker page. And well done to everyone who took part in this initiative. It was a great achievement and feat. August also sees Mocker and Affirma join up with Scavenger Hunting Ireland. I myself am a member of the National Rural Youth Committee who are encouraging this initiative. It involves discovering a list of 30 plus clues and tasks and taking video and photo evidence to prove it. It has been tailored for all Mocker and Affirma members, friends and families and promises to be super fun. The first event is open to all Munster Mocker members on August the 7th to 8th. Make sure to take part if you can. It'll be a great initiative.
That's all for this week, Murray. Thanks a million for your time. I'm Ashley Watch. Thanks a million for listening. And I hope you all have a great weekend. Some forthcoming farm plastics recycling bring centre dates for August. Belgooli GAA, Tuesday and Wednesday, 3rd and 4th of August. Bandon Mart, Friday and Saturday, 6th and 7th of August. Skibbereen Mart, Tuesday and Wednesday, 10th and 11th of August. Bantry Skip Hire, Dunbitterin East, Friday and Saturday, 13th and 14th of August. Castletown Bear, Donegan's Plant Hire, Tuesday, 17th of August. Skull, Derek Connell, Landfill, Wednesday, 18th of August. Clonakilty, Lissaverd, Co-op, Friday, Saturday, 20th, 21st of August. Dunmanway, Murray Brothers, Ardcahan Quarry, Monday and Tuesday, 23rd and 24th of August. McCroom Mart, Thursday and Friday, 26th and 27th of August. Claudove GAA, Monday, 30th of August. Farmers are kindly requested to adhere to social distancing requirements in operation at all bring centres. All inquiries for further information regarding acceptability of various materials, costs, opening hours, etc., please call the following 1890 300444. That's 1890 300444 or website www.farmplastics.ie. The opening times, unless otherwise stated, are generally between 9am and 5pm. John O'Connor, Farm Talk. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. My thanks also to Pierce McCarthy. I'm Mairead Tuig. Thanks for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Calf Milk Replacer. Offering a wide range of calf milk replacers to suit your calf's needs. On C103. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.